Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name is Adam Russell. I'm one of your hosts. Hey, and I'm Nick. I'm the other host. We're missing Ryan this week. He's moving to Nashville currently, right? I was going to make a joke about him suffering another near fatal fall from a cliff, <laughs> but you ruined it. So yeah, he's moving to Nashville. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's got life stuff going on. So uh, we got him covered though. We have not just a guest, we have a guest host. It's Heather Antos returning from last May, we just realized. Wow. Here you are. Say hello to the people. Some might say it's the return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize that was your first like true guest host. I'm like, the pressure's on now. <laughs> <laughs> We've been judging you up until this point, and now you're aware. So yeah. Yeah, that should raise the stakes. You made the cut. Well, I mean, you know, if this needs to become like a permanent situation. <laughs> Well, if Ryan just keeps moving and can't do it. Yeah, he moves like every month and a half. So <laughs> for anyone who's listening who hasn't listened to the full back catalog of the podcast, first, Heather is a former Marvel Comics editor and was on to talk about that very thing last May, like we said, with Charles Beecham, her former coworker, also former Marvel Comics editor. And it's a great episode. You should go back and listen if you haven't already. And this is going to be a great episode. And if it's not, it's Heather's fault. <laughs> well, <laughs> pressure. Uh, if it's not, it's Ryan's fault because yes. he's moving. I stand corrected. We'll just blame him. <laughs> he can't defend himself right now. So we are here to talk about the second to last chapter of this season of The Mandalorian, Chapter 15, The Believer. We're getting close. I'm getting like sweaty, nervous about the end of the season. There's a lot to pack into this, into uh, chapter 16. Yeah, I didn't realize that was it. We just had one more episode. Yeah. Yeah. Until I think when I was doing my rewatch before hopping on this call with you guys. And like, it feels, I mean, obviously we know we're getting a season three, right? But like, they have like three episodes worth of content. They have to like... Squeeze in. And of course they did like a, I mean, this episode was amazing, but it definitely was like a side quest kind of episode. You know, the plot didn't move forward. So now it's just like, oh, you're going to fit everything we want to know from the whole season into one last episode. Okay. Well, well, like really, like if you boil down and obviously we'll get into it, but like if you boil down what exactly this episode was about, it was, it was just like a stepping stone to the real thing. Yeah. There was a lot of significant character stuff in this episode, though. Great world mm-hmm. development. Yeah. yeah. That was great, great. Great character development, great world development. But in but in, in, in terms of grand plot, right? Right, like, right. Like, it yeah. was just getting MapQuest directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Boba, print these MapQuest directions That's out. That's it. That's all it was. <laughs> it was literally just... Yeah, they need to print them, but they don't have any ink in the printer, so they have to stop at this place that does have ink. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's with the wrong side of town. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Blow some shit up. As is tradition. But I am, now that I think about it, I'm less freaked out about them trying to cram everything into the last episode because we got that huge Disney Investor Day drop. So we know that a lot of the stuff that we had hoped and maybe expected to be wrapped up by the end of the season will now be spinoff material, most likely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of this now, it's funny after that investor day with getting like, you know, obviously the Ahsoka show and the the New Republic Rangers or what I can't remember. Is it New Republic Rescue Rangers? Rangers? <laughs> yeah, Rangers Down Under. I'm now like, oh yeah, this was the backdoor pilot for this and this was the backdoor yep. pilot for that, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. I just don't know if that means, okay, so we have one episode left and I'm a little bit of speculating, which we don't 
totally get into usually on this, but it seems more likely if anyone of the like guest star characters from this season are going to show up, I would almost put money on Bo-Katan, if anybody. Yeah, Because oh, yeah. Ahsoka almost doesn't make sense. Bo-Katan wants the Darksaber, so we know we're going to see the Darksaber, I feel like, and Gideon in, in Chapter 8. So if anyone, we'll see Bo-Katan again. Yeah, I think, I think Bo-Katan is definitely a staple for this show. Yeah. I can see Cara Dune moving on to like the the new new republic ranger yeah, show yeah obviously i don't know maybe ahsoka will be in the ahsoka show um, <laughs> see i mean who knows who knows who is no to one say? knows but dude <laughs> i am fully all caps here for the triple mandalorian crew you know what i mean yeah of boba din and uh and the Night Owls. No. Dude, give it to me all day long. <laughs> Just bring me Sabine. Yes. Yeah, that's got to happen too. Get Sabine in here because she's so dope. Facts. And she's still around. Oh, for think, sure. Yeah. Man, I get going, my brain gets going and whatever. Maybe the Mand- the title of the show, The Mandalorian, is plural. Maybe this is just like Din mm-hmm. getting the Mandalorians. Fett is Mandalorian now. We got Bo-Katan. Maybe we'll get Sabine, whoever else they come up with. Yeah. I have so many thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into the details. What have you done with those plans? The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 15, The Believer, released Friday, December 11th, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, written by Rick Famuyiwa, starring... And returning Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfeld, Richard Brake as Valen Hess, new dude, and Katie M. O'Brien as the comms officer, who is the is from, uh, what's his name, Ship, right? Same comms officer that's kind of been there yep. a handful of that's times? That's kind of why, you know, when I was doing the notes, I put her on there because this is a couple episodes, she has some lines, and I feel like maybe she's going to have a role eventually, you know? Like, she's... She's for sure becoming more of a character, I should say. I'm wondering, and the character's name is escaping my head right now, but I'm wondering if she is supposed to be an Imperial officer that's from one of the new novels. Mm. Oh, yeah. I I can't remember her name off the top of my head, and it's killing me. Um, But I thought about it today when she showed up for, like, the third time Mm -hmm. that I'm like, Oh, I wonder because uh, she's from like the is it same Ray, Ray Sloan. Ray is that Sloan, who it is? yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's. I'm wondering if it's supposed to be Ray Sloan because we've already seen the Timmy Oliphant character, who's also from mm-hmm. the same books. Yeah, the aftermath trilogy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't remember in those if they ever described like necessarily anything about her aesthetically or her age or anything. Because th- she's she's black. She's supposed okay. to be black. And of that age, I just can't yeah. remember what her ranking was at the end of that mm-hmm. and where that would place her in this and all yeah. and logistically. But like every time I'm watching, I'm like, just say her name, just say her name, just yeah. say her name. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's another interesting thing because on IMDb, it just says comms officer. Mm-hmm. So unnamed as of right now. The show yeah. has so many unnamed or generically named characters. It's so yeah. atypical for Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Lando? What? Or Lando? <laughs> uh, Loba is what I was going for. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Never named. Runtime on this episode, 38 minutes, 9.0, 9 flat on IMDb. That makes it third, I guess, for the series, right? 9.4 yeah. was last week, and then the that was the highest, and then prior to that it was 9.2. I want to say the, was the Ahsoka one higher than the yeah. last week? So I think it was like 9.7, 9.4, now 9.0, I want to say. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. I agree with that with my personal rating, so I stand by what Nick says. And what's cool, I think, is like, if anything, if there's subtle improvements, is these side quest episodes in this season are bangers still. Yeah. You know, you're not like, oh, yeah, cool, you're on Tatooine with this stupid Italian. <laughs> I could say that because I'm Italian. <laughs> this stupid Italian, like, rookie Hansel bounty wannabe. hunter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like that episode, you know, they they do things to build upon that episode, like bring Pelly back and, you know, have Fennec come back and all that stuff. But that felt like a filler episode last year. I think where this season is excelling significantly beyond season one is there are actual personal stakes for Din. Mm -hmm. He's personally invested in this and the greater scheme of things now that just didn't exist in season one. And of course, it helps that like you're bringing in Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and, and right. characters that we know yeah. already. Like the, the the personal stakes are just so much more established mm-hmm. now, which makes this a kick-ass season. He's coming to terms with himself, but then also he cares about Grogu. Mm-hmm. So the stakes are just couldn't be higher at this point. 
I mean, think about it this way. This this episode was ranked 9.0 without Baby Yoda at all. Yeah, yeah. That's the first time, huh? Nothing. He wasn't there. That's real stuff. Took two seasons, <laughs> but they did it. Very interesting. All right, let's talk synopsis. This one is a little shorter than the others, maybe? I don't know. Either way, let's get into it. Chapter 15 opens in a New Republic junkyard where we see prisoners deconstructing old Imperial ships. It's the Carthon Chop Fields, a location mentioned in the last chapter. A security droid approaches Miggs Mayfeld, who's busy doing some chopping, and tells him his release has been requested by Marshal Cara Dune. Mayfeld follows Cara Dune back to the Slave One, which is now apparently Din's personal galactic Uber, where they meet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like, bro, can I get a ride? I kind of, I don't have a ride. Well, I, lo- I love it so much as then, because the previous episode was, let's bring Boba Fett back, and we're going to make him badass, and all of this stuff. We're going to see him defeat people, and now he's he's a taxi. Yeah, he's just the driver. <laughs> now that's it. That's, a, that's all he is. <laughs> New armor looks great. Just wait in the car. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> they meet Boba Fett there, sporting, like we said, his minty fresh paint job, and Fennec Shan. No new paint job for her. Nah. Mayfeld is startled at the sight of Boba, mistaking him for Din, then relieved. Then, a second later, poops his pants as Din walks down the ramp. I was a little taken aback here. We'll talk about this later. But I didn't realize, I didn't expect him to be as freaked out as he was. You know what I mean? He was such a tough yeah. guy when that character came in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We'll talk about it. Kara and Din explain to Mayfeld that they need his help. And as he's best suited for the job, being former Imperial... They assume he still knows his Imperial clearances and protocols from his time serving. So everybody hops into Slave 1, and they run through the plan. Here comes the exposition drop. They need coordinates for Gideon's cruiser to rescue Grogu. Mayfeld says they can only be accessed from an Imperial terminal. He knows of one on the planet Morak. Like, dude, okay, I know there's an ATM at that 7-Eleven at the corner (laughs) of so-and-so, and and, yeah. So uh, he knows it's on the planet Morak, which happens to be the location of a secret Imperial Rhydonium refinery. Rhydonium is a highly volatile and explosive fuel, and the base is protected by anti-aircraft cannons and a platoon of security forces. Perfect ingredients for a heist. Let's go. When the crew arrives at the jungle planet of Morak, Mayfeld lays out the details, which are of course more complicated than they first thought. This remnant base is run by XISB, that's Imperial Security Bureau, and whoever enters the base has their genetic signature scanned. So if it comes up in the New Republic registry, they'll be detected that's a problem. Fennec is wanted by the ASB. Boba can't go because his face will be recognized as a clone. Sick line here. That's so dope. And Din can't exactly walk up in there with Mandalorian armor, so they're kind of at an impasse. Nice little bit of tension here, as we suspect, at least I did for a second, that Din was actually considering removing his helmet to go in. Nice little zoom on his face, you know, <laughs> yeah. in that tension. And he says, I'm coming with you, but I won't be showing my face. The crew proceeds to hijack a Rhydonium transport, knock out its two-person crew, and commandeer their armor. Taking it back to 77, folks. The old steal a couple uniforms and sneak in disguise as the enemy ploy. I love it. Classic. So much of my Star Wars fandom all goes back to toys and the Kenner, old Kenner toys, and my favorite one growing up. Because they never made Han Solo in Stormtrooper disguise back in the day, but they made Luke Skywalker in Stormtrooper disguise, and that is my favorite shit ever. They came back and did remake Han, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah. uh, like 1985, I want to say, Power of the Force, mm-hmm. you just take Luke's little helmet off. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's the coolest thing ever. I think my favorite thing was they also said the quote later too like mayfeld was like oh he took off his helmet and can't see anything in here yeah yeah, like, yeah that yeah. was great it was so good din leaves his beskar armor with cara dune for safekeeping he and mayfeld jump in the transport full of volatile explosive fuel and they're off the rest of the crew hangs back on standby for extraction en route to the refinery mayfeld makes a little small talk which din is not down with it's hella awkward hella tense more on this later and mayfeld ends up taking his helmet off Why he didn't just bring the damn thing in later, I don't know. Maybe we'll discuss that as well. As they pass exploded wreckage of transports on the roadside, Din and Mayfeld hear a voice on the comm advise other transports to stay below a certain speed or the Rhydonium could explode. Again, classic, like... I've seen speed. Yeah. We're familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Speed and I I feel like the volatileness of the fuel was like a lot like coaxium from Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Just the fact that it was like kind of... It was an exact, like, half-speed, half-solo kind of scenario there. They pass through a tiny shanty village of local people, 
Din makes eye contact with some of them. It's a brief but emotional moment. More on this later again. A moment later, more chatter comes across the comm. A driver calls for help, screams, and the call is cut off. A huge explosion up ahead. Juggernaut 4 has been destroyed, a voice says over the comm. Proceed with caution. Another explosion ahead. As Mayfield swerves to avoid the flaming wreckage of the exploded transport, a skiff approaches from behind. The transports are under attack by pirates. Din hops out, starts to fend off all the pirates. Time for some classic Western train heist pirate ship shit. It's going down. TLDR, Din is ill-equipped without his Beskar in his arsenal of sweet weapons, but nonetheless, he manages to handle multiple skiffs of pirates. They just keep coming and prevent them from blowing up the transport long enough for a pair of TIE fighters to show up and blast the remaining attackers as our heroes make their way through the gates of the refinery. So many bombs. Yeah, it was really cool to just see him almost have like reflex action to like block as if he had Beskar on, but it was just breaking. And then eventually after like the waves and waves of these pirates attacking him, he was like short on breath, you know, like it was so much more effort because he didn't have the Beskar. Inside the base, Mayfeld and Din are greeted by cheering stormtroopers and workers. They make their way towards the mess hall where the terminal they need to use is located. As they enter... Mayfeld is stopped in his tracks as he recognizes his former commanding officer, Valen Hess. This dude just looks like a piece of shit, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he he played the Night King in Game of Thrones. So yeah. You know, he's, a, he's a good bad guy. And he was Joe Chill. Joe Chill? He's Joe Chill. Who killed Batman's parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was oh. going to say he was also, I didn't know his name, but yeah, I was going to say Joe he Chill. also killed uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. I didn't know yeah. the name, though. Joe Chill. That's why you're here, <laughs> for this deep knowledge. You learn something. <laughs> <laughs> Afraid he might be recognized, Mayfeld wants to abort. He's out. He's not having it. Din pushes back a little bit, but no, there's no way. He's done. But fully unwilling to risk losing the child, Din goes in to retrieve the information himself. He approaches the terminal, tries to access it. Terminal scans his helmet, but error. (laughs) Facial scan incomplete. Need to show your face, bro. So he has to take off the helmet. There's no other option. So now, for only the second time in the series... The Mandalorian removes his helmet, and we see the face of Din Djarin. Looking nice. He looked good. Not a single drop of blood, <laughs> no actual real-life scars. Perfectly trimmed mustache. Yeah. <laughs> like that nice, perfectly disheveled bed hair. I'm like, oh, what up, Din? I just woke up like this. Pedro Pascal. <laughs> the terminal completes the facial scan. Din gets the coordinates of Gideon's cruiser. We're looking good. But then he hears someone call for him. It's the officer Mayfeld recognized. It's Valen Hess. It's the dude with the mean face. If that dude was like a principal or like a teacher or like a coworker of a parent when I was a kid, I would be fucking terrified of him. He's almost like an, an 80s villain or like an 80s like principal and like that you hate in a, like yeah. a, a TV show or something. I think what creeped me out the most about him, because like, yeah, he has the angular, you know, face and everything. But he was so skinny. Like, yeah. I think yeah. he was so, so tall and skinny that, like, yeah, there was a belt there, but, like, <laughs> yeah, it was. Also, shout out to his total awesome, that's a good Star Wars name, Valen Hess. Love that. Yeah, yeah that that's a great. Good name. The officer approaches Din asking for his designation. Din tries to wing it, but he's blowing it. <laughs> Hess becomes <laughs> super suspicious. He asks for Din's TK number. Is that has that been a thing, or are they just making that a thing now? I assume that TK was just was just one of many, and TK four two one was just like when I was a kid, I was like, oh yeah, they're all TK something. But then when other ones came out through the years, I was like, oh, that's just. So is there like a specific type of officer who would have a TK number, or is that like a colloquial thing within the universe? No, I think mm-hmm. it's literally just like a. Um, if if I'm basing it off of what I know from First Order Troopers, it's literally literally just a designation stamp that doesn't, it's just like your serial number, you know, you're going to have a one, a two, a three, a mm-hmm. whatever. So um, would he call it a TK number almost like? Uh... Like TK might be your designation of like trooper. Okay. Like TK means trooper something. And even though. They move on from that and there's, you know, you've got FN2187 and so on and so forth. It's still like, it's just still called a TK number, I guess. Interesting. Well, for, for, for first orders, it's your FN number, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes enough sense for me. (laughs) Moving on. Din stutters. We think he's screwed. But just as the shit's about to hit the fan, Mayfeld comes to the rescue, takes over the conversation. He makes up a story that Din is hard of hearing from an incident. There was an explosion, something, something happened on Tanab. Mayfeld tries to take Din and leave the mess hall. They think they're out of there, but Hess insists 
that they have a drink to celebrate the fact that they're the only transport to successfully deliver fuel today. All right, well, let's sit down and have drinks. They do. TLDR, the conversation escalates quickly from some pleasantries and a toast to Mayfell blasting the officer and a shootout ensuing. It's a mess. A voice over the loudspeaker calls security to the mess hall. Troopers and officers arrive, guns blazing. It's a shootout. Din and Mayfeld escape out a window onto a ledge. This base is sort of a, a hydroelectric plant, I guess, too. So there's this giant yeah. waterfall. Seems like it's on like a dam or something right. like that. As opposed to a volcano and lava. <laughs> <laughs> they radio to Fennec and Kara for backup, who are positioned on a distant cliff with sniper rifles ready to fire. Din and Mayfeld blast their way to the roof as Fennec and Kara provide covering fire. Boba shows up in Slave 1, picks up the dudes, and they fly off. And as one last f*** you to the Empire before they go, Mayfell grabs a cycler rifle and, like the sharpshooter he is, bullseyes a transport, setting off a chain reaction of explosions that destroys the entire base. Isn't it fascinating that every single one of them, Mayfeld, Kara, and Fennec, didn't miss a single shot the entire yeah. time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're all just perfect snipers. Well, Fennec, that's her thing, Well, yeah, right? she's allowed to. <laughs> so the one that would surprise me that she was a good shot would be Kara, because yeah. I feel yeah. like also Mayfeld was, I think, was he introduced as a sharpshooter or Imperial assassin yeah. or something like something that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. He also had a stationary, very large target. So. Yeah. <laughs> Two TIE fighters pursue the Slave One, but Boba pulls a classic move that his pappy showed him. He deploys <laughs> a seismic charge, blowing the two TIEs, out of the sky, peace out. Back on the ground, Mayfeld assumes that Cara Dune's going to send him back to the chop fields. She made no promises. It was like, hey, we're going to let you out. You're going to help us. You're going to get a little time away from your shitty job. But that's it. But in a gesture of gratitude, pulls the old, it's too bad Mayfeld didn't make it out alive, wink, wink, <laughs> thing, and lets him go. In the final scene on Gideon's cruiser, a comms officer, who we talked about earlier, enters the command deck with a hollow for the moth. It's Din Djarin. Hitting him with the same words he used to threaten the Mandalorian in Chapter 7. Moth Gideon, you have something I want. You may think you have some idea what you are in possession of, but you do not. Soon, he will be back with me. He means more to me than you will ever know. The end. Not only is it obviously like 90% verbatim mm -hmm. to what Moff Gideon said, but the actual rhythm of it is like also 90% mm -hmm. something. You know, like it's it's almost like they played the Moff Gideon thing for Pedro while he was uh, doing his voiceover and like matched the rhythm exactly. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And that's it. That's the episode. And they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. We never saw Grogu again. <laughs> I, one thing that I liked, too, when Caro was letting Mayfeld go, he almost didn't trust it. And he started walking and then, like, turned around, almost expecting to be, like, shot in the back or something. Right. It was, pretty, it was a kind of a cool moment. Yeah, no, it was, it was super fun. You know, like we said before, like, really, when you break it down, it's a very, very simplistic episode. But there mm -hmm. are a lot of, you know, obviously the fight scenes were awesome and took from a lot of really cool classic films right there was that that right from indiana jones click click throw the gun yeah. you know <laughs> that i loved throws and, the gun at the dude you know yeah which is great i loved that i cackled yeah you know and then the the let's have a drink conversation with valen hess yes. reminded me so much of inglorious bastards in yes like <laughs> the best way absolutely but yeah it was it was just to get map quests yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to get directions the the one thing i like and I feel like I got the vibe of it right away. I felt like it had like a Rogue One aesthetic to it. Also, it being just like a dirtier like war vibe. Yeah. Um, but then I started to see shore troopers, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is definitely leaning into. It's got like one foot in Rogue One in, in a lot in a lot of ways here. For oh, sure. Oh no, it it 100 does. I mean, even Mayfeld's very much like Jenner. So like mm -hmm. they're you know who cares don't pick a side like just yeah. like whatever yeah. part of it but then we see obviously later on he does care very much he mm -hmm. does very much have an opinion right even though he can't show it in the moment which is cool we should talk about the couple scenes that we kind of left details out of the synopsis one being the um the conversation between mayfeld and din on the rhydonium transport mm -hmm. well 
conversation between more like Mayfeld's kind of <laughs> monologuing monologue <laughs> while Din just sits like, is this weekend at Bernie's like at right. one point I was just like did Din somehow sneak the armor in and like set it up and there's like no one in looking <laughs> no in the armor because he just wasn't even not only was he not responding he wasn't moving and I'm like wait a minute is he like yeah. in the back somewhere and the armor is just sitting in the passenger looking seat looking like 3PO in Obi-Wan's <laughs> house <laughs> just powered down yeah so I, I didn't pull like specific quotes to talk about but generally speaking just talking about it's uh it's very um the last jedi vibes of of dj you know yeah, totally kind of a don't take sides live free don't join yeah and it's subtly political talking about kind of like the nature of the galaxy being people who are ruled and people who rule them mm-hmm. that's just the way it is and no matter where you go no matter which side you're on chances are you're on someone else's you're in someone else's home and essentially stealing from someone in some way. So that kind of jaded or realistic view of the galaxy is is really good character development for Mayfeld, which makes me enjoy this episode so much more. And then, like like you said, Heather, it, it's it's world building as well. Yeah, well, but like the thing that I find the most interesting about Mayfeld saying that is like, Dude, you very much did pick a side. Right. Like, yeah. You you know, like you, you don't get to be on a high horse about this when you literally worked for the Empire. Right. Which again, he has very complex feelings on. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, at least with, with DJ is DJ was not uh he did not try to hide his feelings on anything. Mm-hmm. He played both sides and he was, you know, a true jack sparrow about everything right like he is just going to be the highest bidder and betray everyone (laughs) but but to that i did appreciate that mayfeld did give a final blow to the empire and that were you know it wasn't the classic haha i told you i was going to betray you and then i betrayed you Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but uh the the character of mayfeld is very interesting and i'm curious to see what they do with him yeah yeah not just not just in the mandalorian but just like you know in lore because he's not going to be someone that they just let disappear into the ether yeah especially because they he wasn't the same character he was in the last one so he had some Mm -hmm. character development into a better more likable character prison will do that prison will do that to you i mean (laughs) he was he was literally chopping up old tie fighters so you know yeah (laughs) Getting into the the scene with Valen Hess, which, like you said, Heather, was so Tarantino, mm-hmm. so tense. And as I was skipping through with the synopsis, knowing that I was going to skip that, I'm moving, you know, I'm scrubbing through and I'm like, oh, holy shit, this is, this is long. You know what I mean? It's long and tough to sit through because, I mean, it's, it's purposeful. He, yeah. he makes you sit through, the director makes you sit through that. It's a lot like, uh, you know, it's very Paul Thomas Anderson as well. Yeah. Like there's that amazing scene in Boogie Nights where they're trying to buy the drugs and mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg knows the shit's going to hit the fan and you just it, the camera just holds on his face for a solid like 30 seconds. There's kind of a shorter version of that with Din where which is great too cuz his helmet's off, you know. It's just holding on his face and he's just like, "Oh, oh, oh, you know." That whole scene if you really want to think about it my is probably in the top scenes as far as acting goes in all of star wars ever oh like all three of them because we're talking all about valen s totally crushing his whole monologue din looks like the most awkward person ever because he's (laughs) literally since he was a kid no one has seen his face and he doesn't know what to do so hats off to pedro for being like super awkward and then you watch mayfeld just go through this transition of like hatred of the empire to the point where he's like I'm going to shoot this guy, but I'm probably going to die right afterward. You know, like, what's the plan there? You shoot an Empire officer, you're going <laughs> to die. But it didn't happen, thankfully. There was a moment, too, where I was like, is Mayfield going to cry? Yeah, like, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like, he's hitting him in the gut. But also, can we can we just, like, point out how unsettling it is to hear an Imperial officer with a Southern accent? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is now two, right? Because there was the the dude from Lost was in what chapter three? Yeah, Man of Black. Yeah, yeah. yeah, didn't have the English accent. So. But just that, <laughs> but just that, like, because that was like a good Louisiana, like a draw, you know, classic yeah. Southern accent. <laughs> it was good, very good. Uh, so going back to um, when the transport is going through the village, they kind of focus on that one kid. Yeah, and I feel mm-hmm. like anytime they focus on something, they want you to like for a reason they focus on something do you think that kid told those pirates 
that transport's coming through. What, what was your vibe there? Maybe. For me, I, you know, because that was right when Mayfeld was doing his The War Touches Everything, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone has their opinions, blah, blah, blah. They don't want to be ruled. And was Din supposed to see himself in that kid? Like, yeah, that, yeah. Been that him? could be it, too. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Like, that's kind of what I took from it. Yeah, I didn't get that at first. And then just the more, because it's almost immediately after you see the kid is the pirates show up. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's a, for sure a reason that isn't expressed why they focused on that kid. But yeah, what, Heather, absolutely what you said. It could be just like a seeing another young kid, you know, yeah. seeing himself in, in that kid. Or, I don't know, my mind was just like, it's really interesting that, like, a minute later, the pirates show up, too. I also just like that the kid, like, the kid was, like, dressed classy. Like, he had, like, a yeah. nice little, like, handkerchief ascot <laughs> yeah. on, even yeah. though he was kind of, like, street ratty. I don't know. I liked it. There was a village <laughs> H&M just around there the corner. There you go. Off, off screen. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely did cut that as, like, an eye contact thing, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The edit, so. Oh, he had a fierce stare. <laughs> yeah. It was clear that it was between him and, and Din, so yeah. I think I'm with Heather in that interpretation. I buy it. Speaking of looking at things... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Heather, be Ryan. <laughs> Channel um, your, your inner Ryan. Don't be Ryan. Do Ryan's job. <laughs> He's dead. Oh, God. This is just, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> so, guys, there's some questions that we have about this uh, episode, and I think we should uh, break them down, discuss them. Yes, ma'am. You talked about this earlier, actually. Um, Mayfeld, you know, we see a different Mayfeld in front of Din in this episode. You know, like he was very, very all tough guy in the first appearance that we saw him in. And and yet here, when Boba shows up and when Din shows up, he's holy fucking shit. Yeah. I don't want to be anywhere near these guys. What's up with that? I was trying to think back. I have one little thing, but I want to hear what you say, Adam. Well, I was trying to remember... How, like, how bad did he whip his ass? Because it didn't really show much. They, they were just kind of tied up. Think about, I want to run your memory right now. Think about the very last time you saw Mayfeld in that episode. Wasn't he tied up in the cell with everybody? Well, I guess, okay, so the second to last time. <laughs> <laughs> it's Was it? the, the lights are flashing. It's like oh, the predator the, scene. Yes, And yes. literally the last thing Mayfeld is doing is screaming in terror. Yeah. So that's where my head goes, is like why he's not stoked to see him, because Din captured everybody. Plus, there's just that last scene of like the hallway going from like black to red, total like horror movie style. And Mm -hmm. then Mayfeld literally screams the word no, and then that's it. Yeah. So who knows what he actually did to him Yeah. (laughs) in in that moment. No. Tickled him. (laughs) Yeah. The old Mandalorian tickle. (laughs) That makes enough sense to me. Yeah. I I actually just thought of one when we were going through the synopsis. So speaking of Mayfeld and Din and the whole crew, and I can't remember, y'all tell me if, if, if this was established or if we know, when was Mayfeld's last actually working with the Empire? Like how long before yeah, we met him? Yeah, how long before yeah. Mandalorian? I don't know. Do we know? Because cause they, you know, they pick him specifically because, oh, he'll still know the clearance codes and mm-hmm. protocols. Right, right. To which I'm just like, does the Empire not change their clearance codes yeah. regularly? Yeah. Because They've had their same password. Then they deserve to get robbed. You know, yeah. like that's one of those things, especially the ISB who's supposed to be their secret service. <laughs> yep. yep. No, it's the same codes we've been using for the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah, we're still running uh, Windows 95. The password's still... There's always an exhaust port to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, there's always, right? There's always just some dumb thing that the Empire doesn't think of. But apparently passwords is what it is. You know, they <laughs> chose their birthday and their mom's maiden name. <laughs> yeah. um, That's what you get. <laughs> My favorite, like, passcode, like, ATM code joke on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Titus, oh, yeah. is, like, at the ATM, and he's like... Oh, yeah. My grandmother's uh, birthday, January 2nd, 1934. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Perfect ATM code. 
That's amazing. <laughs> so good. So good. But also speaking of that too, of the passcodes, they're getting Moff Gideon's coordinates. And so I guess Moff Gideon just like either the next episode happens in the next five minutes, right? Yeah. Or that ship just can't move? Or is it like a... A designation where you can just like put it in and immediately find where the ship is? Because that doesn't seem... Yeah, it seems like they should have written it differently, differently, like a a tracking signature or something rather than coordinates. Yeah, Yeah. that is weird. Unless it's just like, this is like my parking spot that I always go to every (laughs) Thursday at two and we know he'll be there. Because I don't know, but that that's just one thing I was like, coordinates only work if you don't move. <laughs> right. Regardless of whether or not you know someone's coming. Yeah. It's a location, not a. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe coordinates mean something different in Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know. What else do you have on the list, Miss Heather? What else we have? Uh, Din calls them pirates. Those people that attack the Empire. Yeah. Are they pirates or you know, are they local insurgents who are just like GTFO Empire? We're yeah. sick of your shit. That, I don't. I don't know that there's enough like clues there. I want. I want. It's really bizarre because it could just be the locals who are like Empire, get out of here. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're doing the Empire's dirty work and just blowing those skiffs up, or they could just be pirates. There's been a lot of stuff like this in this series specifically where I kind of. I'm feeling not great or straight up disagreeing with the quote villain of the episode, the monster of the week, mm-hmm. like the Mudhorn, who was clearly just trying to protect her egg, the crate dragon, who's clearly just trying to protect its home. The spidery things. The yeah. spider like, thing. They were, yeah. they, you had a bath and it's like that whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you deserve to die. Like, <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if, if Favreau just kind of, really leaning into the old school Western thing where it's just like, there's just a bad guy. You just mm-hmm. got to beat him or, or what? You know what I mean? Well, it, so bringing up Favreau, that's a very, so his favorite film is Stagecoach, right? He talks about it yeah. a lot in interviews. And this, that scene in particular was very reminiscent of Stagecoach, in which case it was just, I mean, the Western equivalent of pirates, right? So, yeah, right. you know, if you want to pull it in of that, but if it's Star Wars... The, the, the way I think of it, if they're actual pirates, like pirates in Star Wars think it brings me back to like the Black Sun, right? You know, who are, they're going to hijack a cargo ship mm-hmm. in space because that seems to me a little more piratey, especially in terms of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know, like I this is this is where my decision lies when at the end of that, when they are on the brink, on the doorsteps of the empire mm-hmm. they ain't turning back they're still there with their thermal detonators detonators getting yeah. shot to death right like they yeah. are there to die and willing to die for whatever it is they're doing they're at no point are they like all right this is lost cause we're not gonna you know whatever yeah. they kept right. going yeah so that to me i think that's that's where my decision my thoughts of like no 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 those are insurgents who just want the empire gone yeah. Alan Hess also says uh, to Din and Mayfeld, it's like, hey, you guys are on the only transport that made it this today. Mm-hmm. You know, so like those those insurgents, they blew up a bunch of transports. So that's it, too. They're, they're just trying to blow them up. This is also stormtroopers that they're yeah. going after. So <laughs> yeah, like... yeah. The bar is low. <laughs> and uh, Adam, I don't know if you're about to make this point, but they're trying to blow it up. They're not trying to yeah, steal yeah. it. So yeah. that makes me think that they're locals now. They were a different species, you know, the, the yeah. people that they passed in the shantytown were human. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, that's a pretty weak effort <laughs> to <laughs> distinguish them from uh, true locals, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. There are a lot of questions there. Yes. There are a lot of questions there. Agreed. For sure, for sure. And speaking of questions... How did you guys feel about the Empire saving the day, right? Like yeah. like stormtroopers are saluting them and clapping yeah. and TIE fighters save them. And, you know, like it was, I personally felt very weird in that moment where it's like, yeah. I'm glad they're alive, but this is weird. Yeah, I got all caught up in it. Like when they came through the door and everybody was cheering, like the whole thing, I got caught up in it. Like, yeah, yeah, sweet. Good job, guys. Like, let's all have a beer. No, wait, you guys are terrible. You're evil. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome because you do, you know, the the music is like very perfectly like 
optimistic but not the most happy you know like it is like a just like an upward trajectory music wise but it's not like super posy either at the same time i felt like jojo rabbit yeah it's so it was so strange but it goes back to that like that whole idea of like villains never think that they're the bad guys. They think they're the yeah. right, like they're doing God's work, you know? No, <laughs> totally. Kinda... And I mean, even like when you're talking, you're running the mill stormtroopers, right? Like they're just dudes having a job. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think it is great writing though, ultimately, because the fact that we did get caught up, caught up in that moment, rooting kind of for the, for the evil presence in the, in the universe means that they did well writing wise so yeah well how did how did you guys feel when those two tie fighters first showed up right and you hear you hear that tie fighter scream yeah and like for me my immediate is like oh are they gonna are they on to den like are they on to our guys and then they shoot like it was a moment for me of like oh no is this a moment of escalation (laughs) yeah yeah because it did happen right as as their yeah a bunch more pirates showed up but they were pretty much like free and clear they're almost there Din's ready to stand his ground. You know what I mean? So it's 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 an ambiguous couple seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also just that, again, I keep going back to this point with Din where he's just like ready to physically risk it all. Mm-hmm. Five more skiffs show up and he puts his fists up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, what are you going to do, dude? <laughs> Let me at him. No, for sure. For sure, for sure. All right, let's move on. Over a thousand generations. It is the dark side of Torgon. Oh gosh. It's a Galicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Nikki. Yeah. Lead us into the den of antiquities. Here we are. Tell us some nerd stuff. Come down to the basement. <laughs> My mom's basement. <laughs> smells weird down here, but it's cool. You get used to it. <laughs> So my first thing was very cool. I, I like. I felt very, very like, oh wow, this is awesome. Seeing everyone sit around in the Slave One, yeah. you know, all we've ever seen is a cockpit, basically. So everyone's sitting around, and there's this like gyroscopic motion to the Slave One, which is like the the background is moving constantly. And I was like, oh man, yeah. that is so cool looking. So they they're all level, they're all sitting, and who knows what the Slave One is actually doing while it's flying? But I, I'm gonna guess that that like gyroscope motion means that it's turning it keeps them upright going up going down whatever yeah so here's the question though i i remember in attack of the clones when they're getting ready to take off aren't they laying on their backs like rocket launch yeah, style totally. yeah Interesting. Yeah, that ship. I mean, even think back to when you see the the ship land in the last episode. It comes in like like it's always weird. Yeah, yeah. It comes in where technically the cockpit would be almost like I guess your feet on the ground and your head up, but then it kind of goes lands as if you're landing on your back. He's backing in to the parking spot. Yeah, yeah. But now you're seeing that that might not necessarily be the case. Maybe it's the case for the cockpit, but wherever yeah. they were sitting seems like it's constantly level no matter what the, the ship is doing. So it's interesting. That's very, very cool. Um, moving on, I, I, I had to piece together right away the, the trooper armor that, um, that Din and Mayfeld put on the body the chest at first i was like oh that's mud trooper i remember that's like the mud trooper from solo just that body i think it's a little similar to the hoth snow trooper too in the body the helmet looked familiar but i needed to like do some research and it was a hover tank driver from rogue one the kit itself was a little bit of a mashup, all colored like that that mud trooper kind of like yeah. really dark, almost gray green. Yeah, yeah, which was pretty cool. And then that 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 helmet really was like messing with me for a minute. And I, I actually went and to my Black Series toys, and I was like <laughs> trooper, 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 and I was like, oh yeah, hover tank trooper. Okay, cool, nice. So that was cool. It's cool that there. I don't know, like if you want to like put some head cannon on it. Like maybe the empire at this point, I don't know, maybe they're low on funds, whatever it is. They have to like what? do some kit bashing of them on their own. You know, like it's like, just take this trooper helmet with this chest plate. It looked cool regardless. Well, isn't that how they make any trooper anyway? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the pirates are lo- using the exact same thermal detonator as Leia did in, in return of the Jedi. Like for sure, there's a close up on it, and it's exactly the same thing, which is which is cool. No, no upgrade uh, in the last nine years in thermal detonator technology. It's the exact same thing. (laughs) Or maybe that's all they got their hands on. Yeah, they're on the outskirts of the the Republic. Yeah, they're just dealing with surplus at that point. 
Yeah. I mentioned short troopers earlier. They were also in Rogue One. Definitely, those are some of my the better looking troopers as far as I'm concerned. I really like their kit and the coloring and all that type of stuff. So it was cool seeing them partnered up with just regular old stormtroopers. We get into a pronunciation thing again. Mayfeld says Tainab. And I was like, what's Tainab? I like didn't. Yeah. At first, Tainab, I was like, yeah. heard it. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And then when I had the closed captions on, I'm like, oh, T-A-A-N-A-B, Tanab. Lando says that in Return of the Jedi. So this is now the second time that Bill Burr, I don't know if like it's a Mayfeld thing, but Mayfeld, what did he say in uh, in chapter six? He said like crazy twee or something like that, referring yeah. to the Twi'lek. So I think there's some explanation out there that depending on where you're from, you just pronounce things differently. So it's Twi'lek or Twi'lek. They're both right. And then again, he, he pronounces this uh, Tainab and Lando <laughs> pronounced it Tanab. Wait, wait, wait. You mean people pronounce things differently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like like on Earth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. With thousands of planets? No, 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 no. It's not how it works. Remember Ashley Eckstein saying that, that Filoni told her specifically, like, yeah, just pronounce it however you feel. Yeah, right? yeah. Just think about it like Earth. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. That that's like a purposeful thing to direct actors that well, way. It threw me off so much when I I was at Lucasfilm and doing stuff with Story Group and Oh, I know where you're going with this. Continue. It's Sorry. Camino, <laughs> Camino ends, Camino, Camino, Camino. Yeah, like yeah. that's just that's what it is. And then Pablo's like Caminoans. <laughs> yeah. And I just like everything I knew about Star Wars <laughs> just 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 gone. And I'm like, well, Pablo says it. Like yeah, I don't yeah. even know anymore. Our thing on this show has been trying to pronounce Tatooine Tatooine instead because that's how Luke pronounces it. Mm-hmm. And Luke being a local. Yeah. You know, that's Worcester. You know, that's uh Louisville, you know. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And Fett in the last one said Tatooine too. So mm-hmm. that's two in the column for Tatooine. But I'll never I'll probably never say that <laughs> i say tatooine nice See, I, i've tried since adam brought up the, the point i'm like i'm gonna try but it just slips out once in a while but i blame that not from watching the movies but more so on my michigander accent where we just <laughs> mush all our words together anyway yeah. now that we're here in the den of antiquities my favorite maybe ever thing like ever my favorite ever <laughs> easter egg is Mayfeld saying TPS reports. Mm-hmm. That is yes. the best thing. Yes. Office Space is forever one of my favorite movies. Like, not even my favorite comedy. It's like, there was a point when that movie came out that it had a huge impact on me. You know, like, like just the whole work thing is huge yeah. for me. <laughs> so I wonder if that was written, if he had, like, poetic license to just be like, I don't know, make up a report or whatever. And that's what he came up with. I would love to know where TPS right. reports came from, how they became canon all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I paused it. I, I yeah. paused it. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. Um, we see some Death Star gunners. Like I don't know if those are necessarily Death Star gunners, but we've only seen those gunners in those like in that getup with that helmet in the Death Star, as far as I know. So we saw them working some cannons. That has to have a name, right? Just like a gunner helmet, Imperial gunner, yeah, helmet or some shit. Yeah, I think they've been again. I go back to toys. I think they've been mostly referred to as Death Star gunners. So it's interesting to see them just operating any old cannon. I guess they didn't have to just <laughs> operate Death Star weaponry. Oh, you know, we should uh, Operation Cinder. Probably should have pulled up some info on Operation Cinder. Um, bad things happen to good people. That's really yeah. A lot of planets got destroyed. I guess to put uh, the mention of Operation Cinder quickly, it was like kind of a contingency plan for after Palpatine died. I know it was in a video game. I don't remember exactly which one. Battlefront Two. Okay, yeah, Battlefront yeah. Two. So and it was in the Marvel comic Shattered Empire. Awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. so I know of it. I know it was a contingency plan for if Palpatine died, he basically was, and correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, but he basically was like, if I die, then the Empire doesn't deserve to go on, basically. Yeah. It was basically every Im- Im- empirical, empirical, Im- empire Imperial. planet. There you go. Imperial. <laughs> Empiranicular places. Take your pick. Uh, pronunciations don't matter we just discussed that uh but yeah it was it was we're gonna burn them all to the ground essentially Mm -hmm. and well they tried so it is cool i mean this this whole series has been pulling things from novels comics video games very very cool oh by the way heather now that you're here getting a mention for tython i know and and actually seeing tython which was in an afro comic very cool so you must have been around right for tython yeah 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 
yeah. That's amazing. Because it was Ahsoka who mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, and when she mentioned it, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's rad. So. Oh, this one's cool. The, the cycler rifle that Mayfeld uses is the one that Boba is wearing on his back as well as the gaffy stick. So that was just sitting in the slave one kind of like right at the right at the door there. So it's not just a random rifle. It, it has some backstory to it. And then definitely the most obvious to Super Star Wars nerds is the seismic charges that Boba dropped here. So dope. Just such a cool like sound bite. Visually, it's really cool. Because it is just sound that blows up these ties. So the yeah. only thing that explodes when you see the seismic charge go off, the only thing that explodes is the tie. The actual just it's a sound wave that blows up the tie. So there's no explosion, which I think is really cool. Obviously, just such a cool noise. And you, we saw Django do that with Boba in the passenger seat in the Slave 1 and Attack of the Clones. So I want to talk. Cool. To, I want to speak to a physics expert on how possible something like that yeah. is. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Sound bomb. Well, mm-hmm. there's, there's probably, there's like concussion grenades, right? That's gotta be somewhat that's in the true. same family, right? Yeah. But that's like, I don't know. I feel like that's more like, like a blast. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a grenade is like a thing exploding. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like something that's shot out. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know. Well, with any, any explosion, shrapnel or not, there's a shockwave mm-hmm. to some degree. Like the one that the the real life one that I always think of is in MythBusters when they blow up the the cement truck, mm-hmm. and you can see that just like this, it's like a shockwave of just dust. It's it's moving air, you know. Sound is really just moving air, and it's the same thing, but just like it, you know, orders of magnitude more power. No, no, no totally. So I but wonder. That's, but that's what I mean. Like, is it physically possible to contain that in a way? Yeah, something that massive, right? Yeah, that you can direct to even create something. Yeah. Because, and this is getting totally off track, but I feel like in order to do something that could blow up TIE Fighters or, or something of that, you, you would mm-hmm. be on a nuclear level where you're flatlining cities. Yeah. Like yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if there's like a medium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like how do you, how do you get the wave, the blast wave without the explosion itself? Yeah. I guess is the question, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, how do you contain just the blast wave? Yeah. 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 But I'm not a scientist, and neither is a lot of the science in Star Wars, so. (laughs) Right. It's almost like it's fake. Almost. Very strange. Almost. (laughs) All right, let's move on and talk about our favorite stuff. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes. Nick, you have a few honorable mentions here. Quotes, no scenes, but quotes. Yeah. You know, some of these, uh, the last two episodes are dialogue isn't at the top of the the priority list, I feel like, a lot of times. So this one was a little light, although there was some of the best, you know, when they're sitting there with Fallon Hess having a drink. But otherwise, it's fairly light again episode, but kind of echoing the sentiment we're talking about. Mayfeld says, never thought you'd be happy to see stormtroopers, you know, at, at one point. And then... At another point, Cara Dune says, they have his kid. Mayfeld says, the little green guy? <laughs> Cara Dune says, yeah, the little green guy. <laughs> it's like, that's all it is. You know, like to Din, it's his son. He knows he's got special powers, like all this stuff. But to a lot of other people, it's just a little green guy. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, that's uh, not to talk like outside of Star Wars universe, like we said we wouldn't, but that's on brand for Bill Burr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do, a, you know, I'm not the biggest Bill Burr fan uh, uh, comedy wise. I loved him in Breaking Bad. I think he's doing a good job in this. But they also somehow have his personality come through in Star Wars. For yeah. sure. Which pretty wild to be able to achieve that and have it not stick out that much like knowing what i know of his comedy like it's, it's toned down it's, yeah um, Throttled, because they have yeah. to make it family friendly for star oh, wars totally. <laughs> yeah yeah but just in general his like sentiment you know it's mm. just like the way he speaks and all that like that's just bill burr like that's yeah, the dream demeanor, yeah. like i wish i could get an acting job being like yeah we need nick yeah. you know like <laughs> we don't need nick to act like someone else we just need nick to act like nick and it's like oh man okay like samuel jackson like bill burr like have you these heard people. of tom cruise yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> right robert so, downey jr yeah if anyone needs uh voice acting or i'll do it on screen too whatever if you just need a nick guy i'm your nick what else you got here? So yeah, those are my favorite. I, I think overall, like I don't know that I have a favorite like scene necessarily, but I just like that it kind of felt like Rogue One a little bit, like yeah. war, like jungle war planet, like a little bit like Scarif, which is cool because I don't think we've necessarily like seen that. Even the opening scene seemed like Rogue One to me. 
just like dreary kind of mm-hmm. the chop field kind of seemed like they that could have been like a cut scene from from rogue one or solo mm-hmm. pick a favorite though do it i'm gonna put you on the spot pick a favorite scene let's see that's the wrong one nope <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go with honestly my favorite part which was the most shocking to me was was boba walking down and having a fresh paint job i love that Oh, his sharp. midlife crisis. Right. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. went to he went to Mako. <laughs> I just I just love that we talked about this a little bit before that, you know, all through the OT, he just has this dingy banged up thing, doesn't care. He gets his suit back, doesn't really participate in this battle right. whatsoever in <laughs> yeah. any way, shape, or form. But he has this nice fresh matte paint job. But he still has the ding in the helmet. Yep. Couldn't Can bother that? fixing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, they were they were just like, all right, we're going to this Morak planet. I'm gonna stop at Mako real quick though. Just gonna get my yeah. armor. Uh, well, <laughs> my well armor you guys figure. beat up those stormtroopers. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get this done. So that you know, that's not necessarily a scene. I would say, but that was my favorite. Like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. Because for some, like, I wouldn't say the seismic charge was that big of a surprise to me. When I saw where the ties were and where yeah. the slave one was, I would say in under a second, I was like, "Would it be cool if something turned?" And then he did. So, Heather, what about you? Favorite scene? Favorite quote? Oh, uh, favorite, or favorite moment. Favorite quote for me is definitely when Din says to Moff Gideon, "Like you have no idea what he means to me." You know that oh, last yeah. line in particular. That's your like, oh, you don't up you know like that (laughs) that's that moment and moth knows it you see it you see it in his face he knows that was definitely a cool line and i mean my favorite my favorite scene hands down was the the fight scene you know it was every bit mad max and speed and indiana jones and stagecoach and you know it was the right level of cheesy western but still star wars badass action yeah that was super 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 cool and like you said earlier nick it was just cool to see din out of his element without having the best scar yeah normally he's that captain america i can do this all day but he couldn't they almost yeah. had him yeah <laughs> it's tony stark without a helmet in that moment <laughs> yeah. oh wait how about this though he did spear that dude and i'm he like did. that was a spear sick. Yeah. So yeah. that's a little bit of a foreshadowing moment, I feel like. Yeah. I'm going to use that spear in, in chapter 16. My favorite quote and my favorite scene are all wrapped in together. It's for sure the Tarantino moment at the table with Valen Hess. Mayfeld's kind of like exposure of his, you know, his dark past and his emotional baggage, his damage. That was dope for me. I love seeing that kind of, of course, like the the romantic, nostalgic part of me always is about X-Wings and lightsabers and all the action and stuff. But when it comes down to it, the stuff that I will label as my favorite is always the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to like dialogue and kind of calm emotional scenes. So this, yeah, that one got me. Yeah, I mean, it was great. It's, it's great definitely, scene. that's the best scene. And those are nominees. And we'll see who the patrons thought. So let's do that now. We, of course, polled the patrons like we do every week. Five scenes, five quotes. So favorite scene. Five nominees. The first nominee is the Rhydonium transport chase, our crew versus the pirates. Number two, Din takes off his helmet in the mess hall. Nominee number three, Din and Mayfeld have drinks with Val and Hess. Mayfeld gives a monologue and then kills Hess. Fourth nomination, Mayfeld and Din escape the mess hall with the help of Fennec and Kara. And the fifth and final nominee, Moff Gideon, watching the hollow from Din, who repeats Gideon's monologue from Chapter 7 verbatim. And the winner, with 34% of the vote, Moff Gideon watching the hollow from Din, who repeats Gideon's monologue from Chapter 7 verbatim. Great scene. It is badass. It's really badass. You win, Heather. Second place, 26% of the vote, is Din and Mayfeld having drinks with Val and Hess, and Mayfeld blasting that ass. <laughs> <laughs> So good. So we all win. We're all winners. Yeah, we're all winners. We all win in Star Wars. <laughs> Except the bad guys, they lose. Favorite quotes. Five nominees as well. First, I should have made this my damn favorite. This is so good. From Boba Fett. Let's just say they might recognize my face. Right. It's so low-key, <laughs> but amazing. Like, that is so, so cool. That's actually like a, a Den of Antiquities bit that we should have. <laughs> yeah. For, for anyone truly. who's not a big Clone Wars fan. Second, from Mayfeld. Yeah, Empire, New Republic. 
It's all the same to these people. Invaders on their land is all we are. Third, Valen Hess and Mayfeld. What's your name, officer? Uh, we just call him Brown Eyes. Isn't that right, officer? Fourth nominee from Valen Hess again. See, boys, everybody thinks they want freedom. But what they really want is order. That's such a, like, a, um, what's his name? Zorg quote from The Fifth Element. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And the fifth and final nominee for favorite quote from Mayfeld, the monologue. All those people, the ones who died, was it good for them? Hmm? Their families? The guys I served with? Civilians, those poor mud scuffers, died defending their homes? Fighting for freedom? Was it good for them? And the winner of favorite quote, with 41% of the vote, it's the monologue from Mayfeld, Mm. Tarantino style. Second place, well, there's a tie. We've got a tie for second place, actually. Let's just say they might recognize my face, Boba Fett, and then the Mayfeld quote, yeah, Empire, New Republic, it's all the same, and so on. Well, hats off to you, Adam, because you added the winner the last minute, so it wound up winning, which is very cool. I'm shocked that coming in last place, to me, I feel like there's like a Easter egg in here a little bit. You see, boys, everybody thinks they want freedom, but what they really want is order. I mean, order, first order. You oh, know? yeah. Like, I feel like there's a, that's a pretty like sneaky little line there, and that's actually came in last place, but I thought, I thought that was cool. They should have said what they want first is order. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I totally missed that. Yeah. That's great. It's pretty cool. What else? Anything before we wrap up? Great episode. Yeah. I mean, considering it's the penultimate episode and the story, the plot, everything we've been wanting to know more about didn't happen. I'm like not let down like I feel like I would be if if I knew we wouldn't get an advancement of the plot. Yeah, I will say, you know, what this penultimate episode is lacking that last season had is Taiko Waititi as yeah. an IG droid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like that... You can do better, guys. I mean, come on. (laughs) You know what this whole show needs at this point is a replacement. Like what Star Wars entity doesn't have like either an emo droid or a sassy droid or like. But that's that's true. You know, like actually now that I think about it, this is the first Star Wars anything that doesn't have a consistent droid. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And they did make such a big deal of him not liking droids at the beginning. So that's interesting. Because even Solo, Lando had his droid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the cartoons, there's there's Chopper and everyone. And R, I mean, R2 is in Clone Wars all the time. And mm-hmm. this is the first Star Wars anything where there's not a consistent yeah. droid, which is fascinating even for a company that like is always focusing on like licensing and toys and totally, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, even Rise of Skywalker, however you feel about it, they created a droid that showed right. up for two seconds, <laughs> all of two seconds in that movie just to make a toy. So it's very fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Cara Dune doesn't even have like, you know, or. I think it just speaks to the power of Baby Yoda. Of oh, Grogu. totally. A hundred percent. I mean, the droid is the cute factor, right? And those things. Yeah. And, and Baby Yoda obviously is is that in this. So Maybe in like season five when like ratings are down, they'll, they'll add like a skateboarding, <laughs> like yeah. backwards hat wearing droid to come and, and save the ratings. <laughs> I'm here for it. No, no, no. I want Mando to have a gonk droid psychic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Gonk is my favorite, so I'm very partial. There's something about the two of them that I think would like really, really mesh yeah. well. All right, let's wrap up with a quote of the week. Heather, do you want to do this quote? Because Ryan usually does it. Oh my goodness. The honor, sure. You are you're the surrogate for Ryan Key this week. And this isn't, you're not a guest, you're a guest host. Well. You got things to do. All right. I would like to preface this by I did not choose this quote. This quote was forced upon me. Um, (laughs) This day will never come again, and anyone who fails to eat and drink and taste and smell it will never have it offered to them again in all eternity. The sun will never shine as it does today. You must play your part and sing a song, one of your best. Herman Hesch, a Swiss author of Siddhartha, Steppenwolf, and The Glass Bead Game. 
It's a beautiful quote. Yeah, it I is like a that. beautiful quote. It's a little bit random, but would you guys uh, at all be able to like put that into some sort of like context for Star Wars? It's a little, it's a little out there, but I wonder if there's a way to do it. Yeah, I think there's a way to like lead it into almost the do or do not. There is no try. Like yeah. you know, there's only today. You know, mm-hmm. make make the most of this day. Live it to the to the fullest. And, and yeah. there's a little, you know. What I like about do or do not, there is no try, is it can mean literally whatever you want it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a way to apply it to this. Yeah, and I, I just think, you know, I, if I'm going to put it on, you know, the fandom and we, we love Star Wars, we know that there's certain things that are wrong with it, but and it's not perfect, but I think that you you have to appreciate things for what they are and take what you need from them to move forward, you know? And I think that that's one way that I, if anyone, I don't have a lot of people that come up to me and want to talk about Star Wars and have a lot of negative things to say. But if I do, if they do, like I kind of almost take it, accept it as a challenge and be like, yeah, I don't really see it that way. You know, like there's, problematic stuff for sure there's some stuff that doesn't make sense until someone retcons it whatever it is but it's like you have to keep in mind what what you're here for you know why are you here so it's not you're not here if you're here to hate on things then i'm not talking to you but if you're here to love the story know that it's going to go on forever love the characters love the journey like you got to take what's in front of you for what it's worth from a certain point of view Uh exactly in a galaxy far far away yes (laughs) Heather, anything you want to plug before we go? Yeah, I make comics. You should read them. I work on comics at Valiant Entertainment, at Image. Uh, You can learn more about me and my work at my website, www.heatherantos.com. If you want to see pictures of my puppy, follow me on Instagram at Heather Antos. And if you want to see me talk about Star Wars and all things nerdy, follow me on Twitter. I'm cool. You should do it. (laughs) Agreed. And if you listeners want to find our podcast, on social media, you can find us at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram, at Thank the Maker on Twitter. We grew up and got the real one. My personal is at Adam the Skull. And if you want to hear Heather's previous uh, episode, it's uh, number 17. Page turners, they were. They were page turners. I'm having a, a good old time on, on the internet trying to build community and hang out with people and chat with people. I'm, I'm really loving how many people are sending like Star Wars questions and all that type of stuff. So keep doing that. But uh, I'm at Nick Bayside on Instagram, at Nick Bayside on Twitter. Lastly, my bad, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod if you want to support the podcast. Like we keep saying, we're updating all of that almost definitely happening January 1st. So hang out with us there. And until next time, may the force be with you. 